Uh, and so this morning, I'm going to be in the book of Romans, uh, Romans chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be looking at the first seven verses of Romans chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, your phone, a tablet, you can go ahead and turn there and we'll be kind of camped out. We're just going to kind of work through those first seven verses of Paul's letter to the church that was forming there in Rome. And uh, we just want to submit to God's word uh, as, as we read through it. Uh, you know, we are uh, living a culture now that is inundated uh, with news. Uh, everywhere you look, we have some sort of news outlet, medium, way that we can get uh, our, our hold on news. And when you think about what really is news, news is just information that's, that's being reported. So when I say the word news, you might think about newspaper, for those of y'all that still read the newspaper. Um, you might think about whatever your news station is that's on TV. Uh, you might think about whatever news outlet you look through or app you might have on your phone. Uh, those definitely, that, that's news. Uh, even social media, for those of you that have Facebook or have Instagram or Twitter, um, Snapchat, you know. Um, anyhow, all that is a way that we kind of soak in news. And when you think about all the news that our world is filled with, um, there's a lot happening and there's a lot going on. And a lot of times the news that we read uh, is, is negative um, because that's what gets people's attention. That's the headline that'll grab us and make us read or make us kind of repeat it to somebody else or repost it. But a lot of times the news that we, we come into contact with, it just makes us realize we live in a world that is frail. We live in a world that is broken and we live in a world that has been plagued by sin, and we see it every day. And that's what news does for us. And I don't know about you, even as you get these different news, hear different news, you, you, you kind of, you're trying to figure out, okay, what can I trust? What can I put my confidence in? What news can I really believe and maybe allow it to impact my life and even maybe even repeat to somebody else or even maybe make some life decisions based off of some of the news that you hear? Um, and so when we come to the gospel of Romans, not the gospel, we come to the book of Romans, what we are encountered with is this idea and is this word gospel. And what the word gospel just simply means, it is good news. And so our goal today as we kind of work through Romans chapter 1 verses 1 through 7, it is really uh, twofold. It is just that we would see that you can have confidence in God's news. You can have confidence in the gospel. That is what our, our message is about today. Uh, and really our goal is really twofold, is that it would lead us to salvation. It would lead us to be thankful for our salvation, for those who have experienced salvation. But the second goal is it would also lead us to proclamation. Because we, again, based off of the news that we're hearing, we know we live in a broken world and our world needs news that they can put their confidence in. They need the gospel. And so I am excited about journeying through these verses with you. Romans chapter one, verse 16, 
Paul says this, he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then also to the Greek. I hope by the end of this message, you can resonate and you can feel what Paul is saying here in Romans 1.16. So let's jump in together uh, and not waste too much time. And so this morning, Romans chapter one, verse one says this, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. So my first point this morning is this, is that we can have confidence in the gospel because the gospel is God's good news. The gospel is God's good news. We see this phrase at the very end of verse one, and Paul is opening his letter to the people there in Rome, and he is letting him know what his purpose is. He says, I've been set apart for the gospel of God. You see, we can have confidence in the gospel because it's God's good news. This word gospel is used over 60 times in the book of Romans. And there's a reason why. Because when you, we hear the word gospel, maybe you've been around church a little bit, and you associate it with the message of Christianity. You associate it with the Bible. You associate it with Jesus. But if we were to time travel back to Rome, and we were to be in Rome in first century, and we heard the word gospel, what it was associated in the Roman Empire was with Rome. You see, they would bring gospel to citizens. And what the gospel meant is like, hey, I've got some good news about the Roman Empire. I've got some good news about the Roman emperor. And so that was a very common thing. And so when Paul is writing to the church that's there in Rome, he's using a word that they are very much familiar with, but a word that you're, they're used to hearing associated not with Jesus, not with the church, but with the Roman Empire. And so that's why in this book, he repeats that phrase over 60 times. And even right here in the first verse, he says, the gospel, it's not the Roman Empire good news, it's not the Roman Empire's good news, but it is the good news of God. Even Jesus, as he was beginning his ministry here on earth, he uses the same phrase. Look at what Mark chapter 1, verse 14 says. It says, after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news, the gospel of God. Now you have to just pause here for a minute and you're like, okay, we have an idea now what this idea of the word gospel, it means good news for the Roman Empire, but what does it really mean for us? What is the gospel? See, the gospel can be explained very simply is the fact that God created us to have a relationship with him. Every single person in this room, we were all created to have a relationship with God. But our sins have separated us from God. And our sins, they cannot be removed by our good deeds. No matter how much we try in our own effort, there is nothing we can do to erase the sin debt that is on our life. So in God's love, he sent Jesus to this world. And Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross 2,000 years ago. He was buried and he rose again on the third day, showing that that payment had been accepted. 
Therefore, everyone who believes in Jesus, everyone who puts their faith and trust in God can receive God's forgiveness. And when we receive God's forgiveness, he gives us life. Now that life is a spiritual life, not physical life. He gives us life that starts here, but then that lasts for eternity. That's the gospel. And so my prayer, I hope, as we read through this today, is that you would have confidence in God's gospel. You see, the gospel, it is from God. It reveals his nature. It reveals his love. It reveals his justice. It reveals his work. You see, God is the source of the gospel, not us. It's not a, a, something that was made up in, in a think tank of a bunch of different individuals that came together and said, hey, we're gonna create a new religion called Christianity, and here's gonna be the essential message. No, the gospel, it's God's. So therefore, he is the source of it, not man. One commentary says this about the gospel. It is, was not man's good news, but God's good news for man. So therefore, it never changes. But because the gospel is God's good news, we have to submit to it. We have to realize that our way is not best, that we don't know what's best for us, but God does. But then we also, not just once we submit to it, we have to be willing to proclaim it. Guys, listen, every day, whether you realize it or not, we share news. We share news with each other. We share news with our spouses. We share news with our kids. We share news with those that we work with. Again, if you're on social media, you repost things. You're sharing news. Maybe you're sharing news about things that are going on. Maybe you're sharing news about your location, where you're vacationing. Maybe you're one of those people and you like to take pictures of your food and share news about that, okay? I don't know. But all that to say, we share news on a regular basis. But when we receive and we have confidence in the gospel, we realize that the gospel is God's good news. That is something that is worthy to be shared as well. Second point, why should we have confidence in the gospel? Because the gospel is God's promise. Verse two, Romans chapter one. It says, which he promised. So when he says which he promised, what is he talking about? The gospel of God. Which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning, into verse three, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm gonna stop right there. So verse two shows us that we can have confidence in the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is God's promise. So we have our scriptures here, and the Bible is divided into two major sections. We've got the Old Testament, and we've got the New Testament. And one thing that we have to realize is that God's nature has never changed. That who God is has never changed, whether you're reading in the Old Testament or you're reading in the, New, in the New Testament. And see, what we see in the Old Testament is we see God dealing with sin. But ultimately, in the New Testament, we see the culmination of how God deals with sin by giving us Jesus. You see, the Bible is full, as it says right here. He has promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Spirit. The Bible is full of promises in the Old Testament that point to the gospel, that point to Jesus. Everything in the Bible points to the gospel. John MacArthur said this about these verses. He says, the gospel was originated with God and it was not a divine afterthought, nor was it first taught in the New Testament. 
In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, listen to what Jesus says as he is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, do not think that I came to abolish the prophets, excuse me, the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. You see, everything that we see in the Old Testament culminates in Jesus. It culminates in the gospel. You see, in the Old Testament, we have a foreshadowing of the gospel. We have different images that show us a picture of what is to come. And this past week, uh, or excuse me, a couple weeks ago, I was just having a quiet time and I was in Genesis chapter 3. And if you're familiar, Genesis chapter 3 is where sin enters into the world. And in Genesis chapter 3, there is this really interesting foreshadowing and picture of the gospel. Verse 7 says this. This is after Adam and Eve had disobeyed God. Look what it says in verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them, Adam and Eve, were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And so they sewed, they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. You see, this is a picture of man's attempt to cover their sins. Adam and Eve, they realized that they had disobeyed. They see their nakedness. And so what do they do? They go and they find a very temporary covering, fig leaves, and they try to cover their sin. That is a picture of what we do with our life, where we realize that we messed up. And so what do we do? We try to cover our sin. We try to cover our sin with our good deeds. We try to cover our sin by changing our behavior. We try to cover our sin even by showing up to church on Sunday morning thinking, okay, this is gonna check the box for me. This is gonna make me feel good. And this is gonna make me feel good about myself. But then what we see later on in Genesis 3 is as God is ushering them out of the garden, in verse 21 it says that the Lord God, God made clothing from skins for the man and his wife. He clothed them. I love there's how there's like even like a repetitiveness there. Who's the one that clothed them there? God did. What does God do? He clothes them with animal skins. He clothes them with something that is more permanent that required the shedding of blood. Now you're like, dude, God just made some cool clothes for them out of animal skins, right? Took a beaver pelt. There you go. All right. It's better than a fig leaf. No, God, this is a picture of what he would eventually do. God covers our sins, how? By sending us Jesus. And through his shedding of blood, we are now covered and we are right before God when we put our faith and trust in him. You could go through even just the book of Genesis and you go into Genesis chapter six, you see more foreshadowing. You have the ark and and you have Noah and you have God's judgment, the rain coming down, but yet the ark was a narrow way of salvation to where they could get away from God's judgment. But who provided, who shut the door? It was God that provided the way for them. You've got Abraham, you've got Isaac going up on a mountain. God says, hey, Abraham, I want you to take your only son Isaac and I want you to sacrifice him. As they're going up the mountain, Isaac's like, dude, where's the sacrifice? Abraham says, God will provide. And as Isaac is laid out there about to be sacrificed, God stops Abraham, and in the thicket, there is a ram that is there. That ram is a picture of the gospel. It is a foreshadowing of what Jesus was. And so you could work through the entire Old Testament, and this is what makes the scripture so rich as it comes alive. But not only do you have a foreshadowing in the Old Testament, you also have fulfilled, prom, uh, fulfilled prophecies 
Two of them I want to share with you real quick. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, a fulfilled prophecy. This is God, again, dealing with sin as it enters into the world. And this is God speaking to Satan. He says, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He, speaking of the offspring from the woman, from Eve, will strike your head and you will strike his heel. That right there is the first gospel that we have in the scriptures to where God is dealing with sin, letting Satan know that, hey, you're going to strike the heel from an offspring one day of the woman, but that offspring is going to crush your head. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did when he rose from the grave. All right, and so anyhow, so you see these fulfilled prophecies. Uh, another very famous one is in Isaiah chapter 53, verses five and six. In Isaiah 53, it says this, but he was pierced because of our rebellion, speaking of this Messiah that would come, crushed because of our iniquities, punished for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. Verse six, we all went astray like sheep, and we all have turned to our own way, and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. That's from Isaiah. That was written 700 years before Jesus came to this world. And what you see in that scripture is a very clear picture of what Jesus did. And as you read through the Old Testament, you see all these different promises, all these different foreshadowings, and every single one of them, Jesus fulfilled. And because this is, Jesus is who the, the, the whole scripture is about, what we can realize is this, is that the gospel shows God keeps his promises. And so because God keeps his promises, we know we can trust him. Um, as the kids have grown up, we kind of collected different storybook Bibles. And one of our favorite ones that we've kind of used a lot with each of the kids is called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And it does such a good job uh, conveying what the whole story of the Bible is about. And let me just read it to you because it is a picture of exactly how God fulfills his promises. It says this. No, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It is a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, and everything to rescue the one he loves. It's like, the, it's like the most wonderful of fairy tales that has come true in real life. You see, the biggest thing about this story is it's true. There are a lot of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves his children and comes to rescue them. It takes the whole Bible to tell this story. And at the center of the story, there is a baby. And listen to this next line. And every story in the Bible whispers his name. And so what we have in the word of God is we have a picture of how we can believe and we can trust and have confidence in the gospel because God keeps his promises. Verse three in Romans chapter one, let's pick it back up there. It says this, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh and was appointed to be the powerful son of God according to the spirit of holiness 
by the resurrection of the dead. Verse five, through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all Gentiles. So the next thing is that we see in these verses is this. Why can we have confidence in the, in the gospel? Why can we have confidence in today's time when there's so much negative news? Why can we have confidence in the good news about Jesus? Is because the gospel is all about Jesus. These verses do a great job of showing that who Jesus is and what he's done for us. You see, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is qualified to be our Messiah. Why? Because of who he is. He was fully man and yet he was fully God. In verse three, it talks about Jesus Christ, our Lord, being a descendant according to the flesh. So who is he? He is one, as we just saw, who fulfills all the prophecies, who meets all the requirements that are needed to be our Savior, to be our Lord. He is a real person, not just a religious figure or concept. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 16, in 2 Samuel 7, God makes a covenant with David. But look what verse 16, look what he says in verse 16. Part of that covenant, he says to David, your house and kingdom will endure before me forever and your throne will be established forever so God makes this promise to David it says hey listen the throne your throne is not going to end and basically he is letting them know that there's going to be a Messiah that comes through you there's going to be one that reigns over all that is the Lord and then we go to a passage of scripture that we typically overlook which is the genealogy of Jesus and we have two listings of the genealogy of Jesus, one in the Gospel of Matthew and one in the Gospel of Luke. In Matthew chapter 1, look at what it says here in verse 6, listing these names, the genealogy of Jesus. It says, And Jesse fathered David, and David fathered Solomon by Uriah's wife. That's a message in and of itself. Verse 16, as we get down a little further, and Jacob fathered father Joseph, the husband of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Christ or the Messiah. What we see is that because of who Jesus is, is that he is qualified to be our Messiah. But not just that, Jesus is also qualified because of what he has done. If you go back into Romans, in Romans chapter 4, it talks about how he was the appointed to be the powerful son of God according to the spirit by the holiness, by the resurrection of the dead. You see, the resurrection, the fact that Jesus died on the cross is huge, but the fact that he rose from the grave is what makes, that we, makes our faith real. Because of what he's done, the fact that he has risen from the grave, we can put our trust in him. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. Listen to what Paul is saying to those that are in Corinth. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. But just a couple verses later, listen to what he says in verses 20 through 22. But as it is. Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through one man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, listen to this, so also in Christ all will be made alive. So you see, we can have confidence 
in the gospel because it's all about Jesus. It's all about who he is. It's all about what he's done. And this kind of reminds me of a story of, this happened a couple years ago and when I was leading and helping lead, co-lead uh, our college group uh, with Tim Shepard. And we took uh, some college students up on a retreat uh, to Tennessee. And I realized, because I, I shared this story a short, kind of like it to the youth on Wednesday night, and I realized that actually I got the story wrong. Because I had been whitewater rafting before when I was in high school and then when I was in college, and I didn't think anything about it. Just hopped in the boat, right, and just went. But now that I was a little bit older and I had a wife and I had some kids at that time. I don't think we had quite four, but we were working our way there, right? But I had some kids at that time. So we get up there to go whitewater rafting and I meet our rafting guide and I'm introduced to this guy. His name was Toast. That's how he introduced us, right? And I even got a picture of whitewater rafting just so you guys can kind of get an image of this. And if you've done it, you've experienced it. If you haven't, Go try it. <laughs> but anyhow, so I meet Toast, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to get in the boat with Toast. Um, one, just based off his overall appearance. Two, based off of his name or nickname. Um, I didn't know if that was his first name, last name, or if that was even, you know. Uh, and so anyhow, but as I got to know Toast a little bit before we put the boat in the water, I learned of who he was is that his family grew up in Tennessee. Uh, I learned that his brothers had guided the river, that he had been on the Ocoee several times, and he knew the river. We always say like the back of your hand, but he knew it very well. But I also realized that I could probably put my, tr my trust in Toast because he had guided over hundreds of trips down the Ocoee River, and they have all been successful, never lost anybody. So because of who Toast was, and because of what Toast has done, I got in the boat. And because I got in the boat, I had an incredible experience. And because I got in the boat and had an incredible experience, guess what happened? I began to tell other people about Toast. I'm even telling you guys now about whitewater rafting. Guys, the same is true when it comes to the gospel. Is that when we have confidence in the gospel, we realize that it's all about Jesus. Just as we had just sang, we get in the boat with Jesus. And when we get in the boat with Jesus, we have an experience. When we have an experience with Jesus, guess what happens? We begin to tell people about that experience. But we have to have confidence in the gospel. Real quick, next point is this. The gospel is available for everyone. Romans chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, it says, Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. We see the gospel is available for everyone in these verses. Paul is letting them know that, hey, listen, I've come for the sake of, of God's name among all the Gentiles. That word all means all. See, because of the gospel's impact on Paul, he had a desire for everyone to come to faith in Christ. When you go through the scriptures, you see that God has a heart for all the nations, has a heart for all the people of the world. Whether you're looking at the first book of the Bible or the last book of the Bible, you see that God has a heart. Genesis chapter 
12, verse 3, God's making a covenant with Abraham. And he says, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Then the last book of the Bible, book of Revelation, chapter 7, verse 9 and 10, it says, After this I looked up, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one can number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they were clothed in white robes and with palm branches in their hands. And they cried in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. Do you hear the language that is in there? Is that again, God has a heart for all nations. I'm so thankful to be blessed to grow up into this nation. We are so privileged. We are so blessed. We have so many freedoms. But yet God has a heart, not just for America. He has a heart for all nations. And the gospel is available for everyone. Paul even uses the word in verse 6. He says, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. When he says you, he was referring to the Romans. And the Romans had gotten a reputation for being very wicked, for being messed up. And God, Paul is letting them know, hey, including you who are also called by Christ Jesus. So we see the gospel is available for everyone. Therefore, we can have confidence in it. Last point as we wrap up. Verse seven says this. To all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, we can have confidence in the gospel. Why? Because the gospel changes all who believe. You see, uh, real peace that Paul talks about here only comes as a result of, from the grace of God. You see, grace is what we receive, but peace is what we experience as a result of the activity on, on our behalf, excuse me, is a result of the activity of God on our behalf. As Paul addresses the Romans and as he int is, uh, he's introducing this letter to them, he uses this phrase, grace to you in peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when we receive the gospel, we are united with God and each other. He used this phrase, grace and peace, and what he's doing there is he is using a Greek greeting and also a Jewish greeting. And he's bringing them together. And how is he bringing them together? Through Jesus Christ. And so what Paul and what we see here is this, is ultimately, no matter who you are, what your background is, when you believe in Jesus Christ, the gospel changes you. But what we also see and what we see laid out in the rest of the book of Romans is this, is that the gospel demands a response. It demanded a response then and it demands a response now. And that response is either we're going to believe and receive the gospel, or we're going to reject it. Even Jesus, as he is bringing the gospel in the beginning of his ministry, in Mark chapter one, verse 15, listen to how he compels people. Mark chapter one, verse 15, he says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe, what? The good news. 
the gospel. And so as we close today, as we read through this letter in the very beginning, I hope you see that we can have confidence in the gospel because it's what our world needs. Our world is full of news. Our lives are full of news. And we are realizing that this world is fragile. It is broken. We experience it. It's falling apart. And there's really nothing in this world that can save us. There's nothing in this world that's going to give us the confidence or the assurance that we're looking for. But what can? The gospel. I want to close by just sharing, just looking at two pictures. The first one is from the first and second century, and it's a picture of the Roman Empire. And as you can see, everything that is there in yellow represents the vastness of the Roman Empire. Now you remember, the word gospel was associated with the Roman Empire. But over time, the Roman Empire began to shrink and it began to be conquered. And that gospel of theirs, of Rome's, began to dwindle. And now, you can see where Rome is. It's right there in Italy, the new picture. You can put it up there. This is what Rome has become. Their gospel has shrunk. And it's a picture of how our world's gospel, our world's good news, it's always fading. But one thing that has not shrunk is the movement of Christ, is Christianity. Because as the Roman Empire shrunk and has now been consolidated down into a country, down into a city, the gospel has spread. In fact, we are here today because of the confidence that people had in the gospel, because of how the gospel is God's good news, how it's God's promise, how it's all about Jesus and how it's available to everyone, but not just that, how it changes everyone who believes. And so my prayer today is this, is that we would respond. The takeaway is this, is as we go through this, and as you read through this, my prayer is if you have never had that moment in your life that you put your faith and trust in Christ, I pray today that you would respond to the gospel. You would respond to Jesus by putting your faith and trust in him. What does that look like? It's that you just simply realize that you are in need of a savior and you making that personal decision to call out to him. As we close, Hunter and the band is gonna come. They're gonna lead us in a song. I wanna encourage you guys again to uh, enjoy the song, worship with us, respond in worship. But at the close of this song, we'll have some people that are down here. If you wanna receive the gospel, you got questions, we are here for you. But the second takeaway is that as we hear the truths and how we can have confidence in the gospel, Pray this week that you would share some good news. But you wouldn't just share some good news, but that you would share the gospel and that you would proclaim it. Let's pray. God, we uh, come to you this day and we thank you for the truths that we have in your word. God, help us now to submit to your word and to the teaching of just what you have shown us. And so God, I just pray now that God, I pray for every single person that's in this room. God, you know our hearts. You know exactly where we are with you. God, if there's somebody that's in this room that has never put their faith and trust in you, God, I pray today would be the day of their salvation. God, I pray we would all just look into our hearts and see what we're putting our confidence in. And God, ultimately, I pray that we'd put our confidence and our trust in you. 
So God, I'm praying for salvation. God, we're praying also for just conviction over our hearts that God, even this week as we read news, as we share news, I pray that we would be compelled to share your news, to share the gospel. So Jesus, we love you. Thank you for all that you have done for us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.